This is the Roaring Elephant podcast for the 5th of February 2019, a podcast about Apache Hadoop and the surrounding ecosystem for anybody working with or investigating big data and advanced analytics. My name is John, and here is my missionary co-host Dave. Okay. I'm really expecting some very wise words coming from you. Oh dear, you're going to be thoroughly disappointed, aren't you? I mean, it should be no different from normal, but still. <laughs> hey, we, we keep hoping, we keep hoping. <laughs> but, uh, well, we'll get back to that at the end of the episode, because it's a news episode, so we're going to talk about some news articles, and the one I'm referring to is going to be the last one on the docket. <laughs> Fair enough. Spoilers. <laughs> Something or other. Uh, we don't spoil, although we spoil our listeners, I hope. But... I don't know. Anything you want to say before we dive into the first article? No, let's 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 dive into our AI laden uh, or machine learning laden news articles. Well, you go first, I think. Indeed. So this is. I mean, it's a little bit old, but it is still of 2019. So I'm I'm calling it, and it's still of this month, as this is the only month of 2019 so far. So it's an article from the 3rd of January from um, Revolution Analytics. It's some um, a set of, I guess, broadly speaking, workshop material or training material put together by uh, David Smith of uh, Revolution Analytics slash Microsoft, depending on. Uh, your uh, particular um, direction. Um, he put together sort of a one-day workshop with sort of practical AI, or well, the title is Practical AI for the Working Software Engineer, um, and delivered it at Artificial Intelligence Life Conference in Orlando. Um, the reason that I kind of picked up on this and I quite like it is because it's actually got a whole series of uh, you know notebooks um, for each of the sections. Um, so he's got uh, a whole load of different sort of worked examples and sort of different pieces that you can sort of work through on your own uh, in isolation. The slides are also here. Um, I just think it's a it's a really nice little kind of self-contained workshop that you know if you've got some. Um, some interest in this space and you learn better by, you know, seeing, uh, seeing code and fiddling with it. Uh, then I think this, I mean, from, from my layman's, uh, fiddling about with it, this looks to be quite a nice, nicely packaged set of, uh, information. Yeah, well, as we uh, often said before, we don't share our articles with each other before we start recording. So this is the first time we have a look at this and this is actually using the Azure notebooks, uh, services. Yeah. So, they're not just notebooks. If you ha- you can make a free account and have some compute spun up for you and actually run this stuff. And the good thing about that is that I am confident that these actually work. Because a yep. lot of the time when you find some tutorials online, uh, library versions changed, uh, syntax yeah. changed, things don't work. And it's so frustrating when I'm, as you said, trying to get some inspiration, give me a, sm- a small f- example. How, oh, how do you do this? Like this, one, two, three, four. Let's just go run through this and step two breaks. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say the ugly word, but that that's very annoying. And uh, since this is on Azure Notebooks, I would assume that this just runs and... Actually, Azure Notebooks is something I hadn't really seen before. I've only been made aware of it recently, though. It's mm-hmm. been uh, around for a while already. 
And it's actually a very easy way to have just the notebook interface. It's by the notebook yeah. interface, but you don't have to care about uh, setting up a computer. Just make a free account and you can play with it. And I'm going to yeah. stop uh, doing the commercial. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, I, I mean, it's actually it, very it, nice it makes, to see this. Yeah. yeah. It makes a lot of sense because like, if you start off with, I mean, I can't tell you the number of, um, you know, chunks of code or, uh, you know, worked example stuff that I've downloaded, whether it's, you know, code like this or infrastructure related stuff or whatever, you download it and then you spend the first kind of day sometimes trying to satisfy the weird and wacky dependencies mm-hmm. that someone kind of nailed together in a shed um, of a whole bunch of stuff that like, oh, by the way, install this, but not the latest version. You'll have to install the latest <laughs> version and then downgrade it to this version because this is the only one that works because there's a bug in the later one or they changed the way it works or whatever. I mean, I, I have actually spent, in some cases, mm-hmm. days okay. trying to recreate the same environment that works, whereas this, as you say, it's just kind of, here's your notebook, there's some compute that you don't even need to care about on the back end, away you go. Yeah, and actually the fourth one, the MNIST mm-hmm. with scikit-learn, so actually has the data files, uh, multiple YP, uh, YNB files, uh, yep. multiple notebooks, that is. Uh, it has the model already pickled in there as well, so it, it, it really avoids you having to start searching, as you say, to get the same environment as the author had, because well, it works for him, because that's what he's been using yeah. for X amount of time, and you just have yep. to try and re- replicate that, so that's uh, it's fun. The only negativism, if I can be negative about it or something, of is, course you it's can. all about R, and I don't like R. <laughs> Although on the revolution analytics side, it's kind of normal. It's R, of course, because that's the, I guess, the main resource mm, for blocks for R, I guess. Sure, the it's not. Ones. Yeah, sure, it's not all about R, because the, as you say, the, the fourth one is about scikit-learn, and the fifth one is TensorFlow. Um, yeah, but uh, TensorFlow, you can still call it from R and stuff. So true, it should be true. at least somehow but embedded in not, R. But it's not. It's TensorFlow from Python. Mm. <laughs> you heard it here first. R is dying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not quite sure that's the, uh, the, the, the thing that you would draw from it, but okay. <laughs> no, I, I, anyway. All kidding I, aside, I, R is fine. Yeah. I, I found it like a really quite a nice... Uh, um, as as anyone that's listened to this for any period of time will know, I am definitely not in any way, shape, or form a developer. But uh, I found this quite useful and quite interesting, even for a, a lay person like myself. So, someone that's more plugged into this space, I'm sure, will have a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you don't want to use a notebook uh, interface, there's also a GitHub repository with all the data, the, yeah. the, the files yeah. and the data files there as well. So, um, yeah, everybody should be able to do what they want with it. There's yep. a little slideshow embedded as well that you look at that, or is that actually the this the session he the slides he used at his session? Yeah, that's what it looks like. Yeah, I think it's a slide from the session. Companioning session. Ooh, it has a uh, a cartoon in it from uh, what's it called again? Control Delete. No, not mm-hmm. Control Delete. It's uh, what's it called again? The, the pen drawings. Slide twelve. XKCD. Yes, thank you. I knew it was an abbreviation, but I forgot which one it was. <laughs> Anyway, okay, on to the next. All right. Indeed, I think so. I'm going to follow on a little bit from your article. I'm going to stay in the realm of uh, applied machine learning because I have an article which I can't find at the moment. Ah, there it is, from uh, Adam Geithney. And it's mm-hmm. uh, a guy, I've, I've been using him or abusing him, <laughs> as the case may be, 
in the past already to get inspiration for our uh, episodes because he's quite deep into machine learning and machine and neural networks and artificial intelligence. And the genius of Adam is that he's actually able to write blogs that are quite technically complicated, but still easy to follow for people that aren't in this space. Very readable. Very readable. He always takes very relatable examples and explains it in a way that if you want to go deep, because he puts all the code in there as well, so you can totally go deep technical on it. But if you just trying to figure out, okay, this machine learning magic, how magic is this? His blogs always are very down-to-earth, explaining step-by-step how it works. And in this case, it's a somewhat relatable example of uh, how to find parking spaces. Uh, basically, the setup is that from out, uh, out of, outside his window or the, his office window, you can see the street and the parking spaces. And it's always very busy where he is. So he wanted to have an automated way of getting a warning, SMS, message, email, whatever, when a parking space in the street is available so he can tell somebody he can come park here and so on. It's a very simple uh, pre- premise, a very simple problem uh, situation, let's say. Yep. But then he starts fleshing it out and what lo- sounds simple usually isn't. I mean, people have a tendency of saying something in a sentence. Sentence seems to be simple sentence, so problem is simple too, Right. Well, no, not really, because in this case, his first problem was, what is a parking space? How do I define a parking space? And again, nice blog. He also starts, he also tries to make his solution work dynamically. So by not hard coding, this little square on the image is a parking space. He can anticipate if the camera gets moved and things like that. So... I mean, how yeah, would, I mean, he, he actually, ahead. I was going to say, he, he actually goes through, the thing I like about this is he, he explains his thought process. He goes through a couple of different options. You know, the, the camera view is just sort of a view of a street, and you can see there's a line of parked cars there. So he goes through, well, you know, you, you could say, you know, valid parking locations, you know, plotted against the, the, the image look like this, but then people don't always park in those locations exactly and so on and so forth so that's a bit irritating then he talks about the fact well maybe we could use the parking meters either hard-coded or you could detect the parking meters but you know some of them are obscured and some other spaces don't have parking meters next to them and, and then he talks about sort of well actually we could use just the uh the boundaries of each uh, parking space that are drawn on the road that you can just about see on the image but again um you know, it's not always the easiest thing to see. But then he settles on just when, uh, you know, when it's detected, uh, when the, the thing's switched on, it just looks for stationary vehicles and then assumes that that's a parking space, which I think is, it's like a, it's a really, really clean simplification of sort of uh, deciding on that relatively, as you said earlier, like it's a it's a simple thing to solve, only it's actually not quite so simple after all. Yeah, it's one of the hardest things in the whole machine learning, especially with image recognition things, is finding a good way of deciding that what you detected is actually what you want to detect. Because image recognition, just having a picture of, a, of an apple and saying it's an apple or it's a banana or it's not a hot dog, that's... I'm not going to say easy, but that's relatively easy because those uh, yeah. neural networks are there. You can just download it and make it work. But if you put this stuff into the real world, 
he get all of these strange things because even with his solution here where he just uh, looks for a, a little while and see okay this uh, the stationary vehicles for x amount of time in that location so i'm going to assume that's a parking space that's not st- that's not it still because if you look at the perspective of his uh, view of the the image view you can't exactly see the full car there because the car in front yep. and behind are, c- are covering a little bit of each other's uh, bodywork let's say so he also has to kind of cut little pieces out of the detection and then decide okay this is this the bounding box where the car actually is parked so and those are things that in i think i'd say two years ago were very hard to solve but if you continue through his blog here what you actually find out here is that he's able to reuse existing uh, art from other people and that's also very powerful how today you can just Okay, you need to be a bit in the space. You need to know a little bit where you have to search. That's always one of the things. Yeah. If you learn something new, finding the good resources for getting a good community and uh, have people help you. But once you have that, it's quite often, hey, somebody else already thought of this. I can just use what they did in my little situation, tweak it a little bit, and that's uh, more than enough for me. And as he also says, uh, in general, you want to choose a simple solution that gets the job done with the least amount of training. And do not assume we need the newest, flashiest algorithm. That's actually a good one, because a lot of my customers, when they talk about machine learning, they they still think, oh, we have to get some very bright mathematicians in the house and make them rediscover. You create brand new algorithms that no one's ever seen before. Yes, because we're going to be better. And hey, I'll agree. If you do that, there is a possibility that you will get something better. But better than means such a small incremental improvement. Usually, yeah, is it really worth your while? You, yeah, in most most organisations, would be better off using you know using very well all the existing algorithms that exist out there, and actually just propagating that usage throughout as much of the organisation as possible. It's going to be far cheaper to do something like that than it is to massively overinvest in a tiny fractional improvement in a you know well-known, well-trusted model. Surely, yeah. I mean, the one thing you could still do is look for ensemble models. And that's something that you can do with relatively small mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. time investment and still be able to do something new by just yep. combining different tools in a different way. You can still innovate or differentiate. Let's call it that. But uh, I don't know many people who are really writing algorithms these days doing this, except yeah. if you're in the, the big uh, net, the internet companies out there. I mean, I mean, sure, a Facebook and a Google and a Microsoft, they're doing stuff like that. But Yeah, and you've got all the, you know, all the research centers yeah, and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah. But uh, if you look a bit down, if you, if you compared the results of some of these uh, models where Again, a couple of years ago, if you got a bounding box, you would have been very happy. Now you can actually see nicely colored outlines that really follow the shape and everything. Uh, we've really gone a long way there. Anyway, uh, code is included. Uh, it's uh, Python code. Uh, it doesn't do any Spark or anything like that. I'm just going to look if I was using NumPy. Is you downloading an RNN? Uh, sorry, a CNN model and uh, the code is in there it's only a couple of pages long it's not that much of code if you look at it uh, yeah yeah but that's kind of the beauty of it exactly. it's 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 so clean and simple it's really nice to follow so even i can follow it uh, yeah. and if, if, if even dave can follow it then my god 
Yeah, exactly. It's got to be good. <laughs> and talking about God. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay, I see what you did there. Ah, oh, dear. So, yes. So the title of the article, I mean, it, it just... It just tickled me. Um, Head of Russian Orthodox Church warns big data will usher in the Antichrist. Um, Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So they're basically, there are a a few choice phrases in the article. Um, But I, yeah. (laughs) I mean, hey man, you chose this article. Now you have to make some kind of coherent story about it. I know, it. <laughs> I know, I know, and I'm now realizing what a what a what a terrible decision that was. But you know, it, essentially, it, it's talking about so that one of the quotes is: every time you use your gadget, whether you like it, like it or not, you whether you turn on location or not, someone can find out exactly where you are, exactly what your interests are, and exactly what you are scared of. Um, uh, also, uh, continue to warn against falling into slavery to smartphones uh, and that user data like location, interests, and fears. Not quite sure how many people put their fears into their profiles, but hey. Um, could allow a potential forthcoming Antichrist to control the entire global population and cause the apocalypse. <laughs> so there you go. I mean, you know, be warned. Check Check what you're putting into your... Facebook, Twitter, whatever <laughs> profile um, you may be bringing on the apocalypse. Um, just be careful out there. Yes, as uh, Pat- Patriarch Kirill of Moscow says, the devil's in the downloads. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh dear. Oh, oh dear. And and by the way, if, if you do happen to go and click on this article, um, g- do take a look at some of the comments because it's <laughs> probably even better than the article itself, as I'm sure you can possibly imagine, some of which possibly not safe for this show. So there we go. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna play devil's advocate here. See what I did there? And actually I did. take it I did. seriously. Because um there's the there's a view in the world, and if you're subscribing to it or not, I don't care, it's a view that exists, that the whole religious texts of yesteryear were actually kind of manuals for people to be safe, to do, to not do stupid things. I mean, why does everybody believe walking under a ladder is, uh, brings you bad luck? Because, well, your mom needs to tell you, don't walk under ladders, things will drop on your head, and hey, it brings yep. you bad luck, it's easier than to give you a full, long explanation. Yeah. Now, if you bring this in the current day, a lot of the people that are very vulnerable to um, phishing attacks, uh, scamming mails, things like that, are the people that are not technically savvy. I mean, mm-hmm. even technically savvy people can still fall for it. I mean, I still don't think I'm safe at all. I still pay attention to every mail I read. But there's a lot of people out there that just don't have the, the, the experience to, to really take this into the right uh, mindset. And yep. by translating it into something religious, it's not all bad. I mean, you can make fun of the whole thing, uh, but for I, some, for a, yeah. there's a target audience there. Yeah, I still struggle to really say that I'm okay I know, with the I, article. I definitely, I definitely know what you're, what you're, what you're saying. I mean, the, you're right in that this is, but this is the reality of today. The reality of today is. People are, I mean, again, in my opinion, 
putting too much information out there about themselves in many cases. Um, I mean, we've, we've seen the, the various scandals from all sorts of organizations, um, either with, um, data leakage, uh, data breaches, or with, you know, permissions based stuff that were, were wider, wider stretches of data were being shared than people realized and all that sort of stuff. And, People are using, people will be using that data. I mean, I don't know that I would go all the way to say weaponizing, but <laughs> well, I mean, it is, that is the... There are government hackers now. Yeah, there are. There are absolutely, I mean, there, there, it is a state-sponsored um, exercise, you know, to to break into other governments and infrastructure and things like that to understand how it is so that in the event of you know war then you know it will not just be uh, it won't just be fought on the battlefield it'll be fought across the internet and you know shutting down critical infrastructure will be a part of 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 a plan it won't be so much about sending smart missiles and stealth fighters and all that sort of thing it'll be people in dark sort of back rooms, well, not probably back rooms, bunkers in places, um, you know, logging in and just remotely setting things to shut down, explode, whatever it might be. You know, the 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 world has changed. The world has evolved. Everything is more connected. And with that comes a certain um, responsibility to understand and to adapt to that. And I think a lot of, you're right, a lot of people um, are not um, sort of, are, are not yeah. as cognizant of that as they should be. And we, we've talked before about, um, you know, the sort of IoT and, and smart device um, sort of propagation is everywhere. I mean, I myself now have a uh, a smart heating system that is able to individually control heating in different rooms and things like that. And, you know, the while the terms and conditions around it and the data privacy sort of things around it are, as you would expect, I am always cognizant of, you know, if someone were to get that information, it would be very relatively easy to work out, you know, when I am here and when I'm not here by looking at that sort of data. The same for power consumption data from smart meters or, you know, any of these wide variety of different data sources, you can use those to find out whether people are in or out and decide whether or not that's a, uh, an appropriate time to maybe go and cause some mischief or something like that. I mean, it's the data that people are generating or devices that they own are generating is increasing on an ever-increasing rate. That's one of the things that big data is all about, right? Mm-hmm. It's you know, doing something with that data. Um but I'm just not quite sure that I believe um, it will bring on the apocalypse. It may bring on some very, very um, less desirable situations, and I think we should all be prepared for that, and I think we should all bear that in mind when we are you know, setting our privacy settings and putting in things on public profiles and all that sort of thing. But uh, I'm just not quite sure I believe it'll bring the apocalypse. Well, but I'm starting to believe, you know, because I just had a page on my in my browser here and now it says at the top a, a web page is slowing down your browser. What would you like to do? Stop it or wait? 
So I don't know. <laughs> Indeed. Browse apocalypse. <sighs> ah, dear. So, uh, yeah. Because so, yeah. I was looking go. for a little article, because when you were talking about the uh, the Motica and IoT stuff, I actually had an mm-hmm. article I, saw, I read this morning about the Nest cameras, which mm-hmm. were apparently also uh, hacked, and not because of the Nest being insecure, because apparently one of the more secure ones out there, but because leaked passwords and my passwords one, two, three, four, and things like that. And apparently <sighs> some uh, white hat hackers have been uh, taking over cameras. So there was this guy sitting in his living room and suddenly the Nest starts talking to him. Hey, do you know I can see you? What? What? (laughs) 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 So that was a bit of fun there. And there was also another thing where apparently hackers were telling people to their Nest microphones that North Korea had fired off nuclear missiles and they had three minutes to evacuate. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. So, uh, hey, Apocalypse, you can say what you want, but I don't know. <sighs> I'm not going to say anything anymore. Fair enough. So nothing else from you, then? I'm done. I'll okay. go to my bunker and uh, pray. <laughs> go to your bunker and prepare. <laughs> All right. In that case... Barring the apocalypse happening before I finish this outro, that is about all the time we have for today. Hope you enjoyed this serving of bite-sized big data. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. But until then, please go to www.roaringelephant.org where you can find more information, including a feedback form. You can also follow us on Twitter using the at Hadoopcast tag and contact us by email to podcast at roaringelephant.org with any thoughts, comments, criticisms and other feedback. Until then, my name is Dave. And I'm in my bunker. (laughs) And we look forward to talking to you next week. Bye. (laughs) See you then.